Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Kia ora church, how are you doing this morning? Ah, oh, that's good, that's good. Um, let's just take a moment just to recognise how incredible Matthew Kennedy's beard is getting. There's a good, full, bushy beard. Um, Kenny, the girls are doing a dessert time. Sorry to put you on the spot, but seeing as you look like the most manliest guy in the room, how about you and I organise a social pool tournament and then we'll do like a big gift voucher for a whole lot of meat or something in the end. We'll do a guys night. That'd be fun, eh? Yeah, he's agreed, so it's happening. Very good, very good, very good, very good. Hey, so I'm Jared, one of the pastors here. So good to have you along at Thrive this morning. If you're visiting, I hope you enjoy yourself. If your kids are in the program, they're probably having a blast. And I've got a really fun word that I want to share with us this morning. So at Thrive, at the moment, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Give us a wave if you're partaking in some shape, form or the other in the 21 days. Awesome, so, so good. This is, this is my goal this morning, okay? This is, this is my goal. My heart this morning is that at the end of my message, you would feel encouraged, you would feel challenged, and you would feel inspired in two areas. And the two areas I want to talk on this morning is I want to talk about the, there's this really interesting link between baptism and fasting. And and my hope this morning is, at the end of the service, if you haven't been baptized before, that you are going to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I've been missing out on. There's so much more that God has got for me. And if you have been baptized, you'd go, oh, it's so good to be reminded about what it is that took place in my life and the authority that I have access to because of the supernatural transaction that took place when I got baptized. And then alongside of that, the link between baptism and fasting, that if you're fasting at the moment, you're going, oh my gosh, you know, what I'm giving up is, is, is quite a challenge. That so you'd feel so inspired by what it is that you're building in around your spirit that you just go, man, I'm just going to keep on going. And if you haven't engaged in that process yet, that you'd go, man, this is too good to miss out on. I'm going to jump in on this. And we're already one week into it, but I want to say this. There's this really irritating story in the Bible. To be honest, I find large portions of the Bible are quite irritating, and they move me out of my comfort. But this one, okay, God is a, he's, he's God of justice, okay? He is love, but He's also God of justice. And there's this really irritating part of this Bible where Jesus is telling a story. And He says, hey, you know what? There's this farmer, and He hired these farmers, and He got these, these workers to come and go, you work for me all day, you work for me from lunchtime, and you, walk, you work for me for like an hour, okay, in the call of the day. And at the end of it, he pays them all the same. Gives them all the same agreement. And the guys who worked in the heat of the day, that did all the hard yards, got most of the work done. Went, Are you serious? You're going you're gonna to love that guy and give them just as much freedom and blessing as, as you give me? And he's like, yeah, that's how I roll. I'm just. I'm like, how is, how is, that, how is that justice, God? So what I want to say is if you feel like, well, you know what? We're already a third of the way into it. I haven't started. I'm probably just going to miss out. Why bother? I tell you, like, He is so in your favor that you can jump in a week out and get the same benefits and the breakthrough that everybody else and the family is experiencing. (laughs) All right. Oh, my gosh. I love the 11 a.m. service. 11 a.m. service. Yeah, so much fun. Oh, my goodness. 9 a.m., though, I got to tell you, 9 a.m. was kicking it this morning. It was good times. All right. 
So let's get into this, get into this. So we're doing prayer and fasting at the moment, and we're one weekend. First week, we were focusing around kingdom finances and subtext, not just how that expresses itself in generosity, okay? I love tithes, offerings, all those things. I'm about that life. It's a lot of fun. But it's about capturing God's understanding of how wealth works and how money can make money so that you have a family household of financial freedom. And the reason why we did that first, and now we're going second week into souls, is because Glenn had a vision, a dream a few years back, saw three waves coming across our region. First wave was finances, second wave was souls, third wave was glory. And God's really practical. Okay, now when you get souls, that equals new Christians. And new Christians equals baby Christians. And baby Christians equals Lots of opportunity and lots of work, and you need lots of resources, okay? So when you have a baby, you begin to realize that these tiny little people that make a whole lot of noise, uh, they cost a lot of money. And then as they go from baby to child, they cost even more money, and then they go from child to teenager, and you're just like, wow, that's, that's phenomenal. This is like a bottomless pit of just money that I'm just investing into this person. And so I believe that God, and you know, he's a pretty clever guy, um, that he's wanting to set us up as a church to develop his mindsets so that we actually have resources within our own family and within the family of God so that as we step into the next wave, that we have these babies and we're set up to be able to nurture them well with the resources of heaven and the multi-expressions that that looks like. Okay, so here we go. The actual word. That was the pretext. Now I'm just trying to explain the three weeks. Now today. Baptism and fasting. Okay. There's a cool link between being baptized and fasting. And I want to camp around the story of Jesus when he got baptized and then went into a season of fasting. And I want to stay around this story because I believe that the way we view this story becomes the construct that we begin to develop our own expectations or interpret our own scenarios based on how we see this story. And I kind of feel that traditionally, myself included, this story has not been given its due justice in the way that it's been interpreted in life. I've always seen the story of Jesus getting baptized and then going out into the desert, fasting 40 days, that Jesus is tired He's hungry, he's a wee bit weakened, and he's a little bit more vulnerable, and he's a little bit more exposed, and then the devil comes along thinking this is the moment where the Christ is vulnerable, and I'm going to try and destroy what it is that God is trying to do. That's the way I believe that the devil viewed the story. But that's not the way that Jesus experienced the story. And so this story takes place. It has thousands of years of buildup into this moment. So God, at the beginning of time, creates time. That's how we know it was the beginning. And he created Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden, and said, you can eat whatever you want. You can eat all this fruit, but don't eat fruit from this tree. And Adam hadn't invented an ax yet, so he didn't just chop the tree down and get rid of it. It stayed there. And then Satan came and said, oh, you know, is this really how your relationship with God works? Is this really who you are? Why don't you become more like him? Why don't you advance yourself? Why don't you take control into your own hands? Why don't you, you, why don't you be in charge? Just take the fruit and see what happens. 
And they did that. And in that moment, there were, there were a few things that happened. So sin entered the world, which we know. But God had set Adam and Eve up with authority and dominion to rule over the world. So God had authority and he gifted it to Adam and Eve. And then what Adam and Eve did in that moment is they took the God-given authority and they transferred it to the devil when they sinned. And so what happened then is that the natural order and authority shifted from being gods to being peoples that he entrusted with to becoming the demonics. So then thousands of years roll across time with the demonic having the legal right to govern over the realm of earth. And then the time of perfect fulfillment came when Jesus came as an invading force into the kingdom of darkness. So take this, if you will. Jesus gets born. And I don't know what happened in Satan's headquarters on that night when Jesus was born, but I imagine it went something like this. He's got his tally up, seeing all these, all these human lives coming to the planet, born with the sin nature, 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 born with purity and perfection, born with the sin nature. What the heck was that? What is that? There's somebody born onto the planet that doesn't have a sin nature? Does somebody come through a miraculous birth? Oh, I know who that is. That's the Messiah. Oh my gosh, guys. Like, it's time. Like, the Messiah has finally come. We're being invaded by the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness is under siege by the kingdom of light. And so then, this, this interesting season takes place where, where I believe the devil is trying to destroy Jesus as a baby. And this is what is really fascinating to me, okay? And a, 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 a host of angels come, the multitude of angels. And they fill the sky in front of the shepherds. And they're going, goodwill and tidings to all mankind from God. And they're filling the sky and they're singing praise. Like, it is just like glorious. And they're like, by the way, this is Jesus' postal address. Go say hi to him. So the sky is filled with angels and the shepherds are like, sweet ass, I'm going to go see Jesus. Then we've got these wise men and they're following a star that travels around the sky and then hovers above the manger. And they're like, okay, so that's where Jesus is. So the sky gets filled with multitudes of angels. There is a star hovering above the house. And yet somehow it would appear that Satan is not aware of Jesus' geographical location. There's this odd aspect to this story where it is painfully obvious to everybody in the spiritual realm, except the demonic realm just seems totally oblivious. They just know that he's in Bethlehem somewhere. And so then Herod, who's the king at that time, I believe with a demonically inspired vision goes, I'm going I'm to destroy the Messiah. I'm going to take him out as a baby. If I can take out a generation as a baby, all subnotes, then, then I'm not going to have to deal with the weight and authority that they'll have as a man. Because he doesn't know where he is. And so Herod orders the massacre of every baby boy under the age of two years. He goes, we'll just wipe them all out. I don't know where he is, so I'll just wipe out the whole town. We'll just take out a generation. But then God sends an angel to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, take Jesus and go to Egypt. So there's all these illuminations taking place. But the kingdom of darkness remains blinded to the actual location of Jesus. 
And so then Jesus goes about his life. You know, we jump back into the scripture. He's now 12 years old. And uh, turn a page, 12 years, disappears. And he's lost. And Joseph and Mary have lost the savior of the world. And I'm just like, oh God, really? Like you trusted Adam and Eve. You saw what happened. Now you're trusting Mary and Joseph and they've lost him. Like, oh man, I see a pattern repeating. And then they find him. And he's like, you know, you should have known that I'd be in my father's house. Then more time turn a page, a whole lot of years go by and Jesus is now 30. And the Bible says that there's nothing extraordinary about Jesus. There's nothing of his physical appearance that would highlight him as something special. And it says that he just went about growing in favor with God and man. That in in itself, I find so fascinating. How is it that the Messiah, who is the Son of God, has any margin for growth to even grow in favor with the Father that sent him. That in itself just blows my mind. And so then you have Jesus, and he hasn't done any miracles or anything yet. He's just growing in favor with God and man. Subnote, okay, you can grow in favor with God and man without performing signs and wonders. This is a lot about just your heart attitude and your character development, okay? Then comes the moment where he gets baptized. The Bible says that, He gets baptized by his cousin, John. He goes under the water in the Jordan River. He comes up. Then the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. God speaks with an audible voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I loved and with him I am well pleased. We enter the Bible now um, in Matthew chapter four, verse one and two. So this is just happening. Just got baptized. Holy Spirit lands on him. God affirms his identity. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What a game plan. I'm like, ah, I got baptized. Now what are we going to do? And Holy Spirit's like, I know. Let's go hang out in the desert and wait for the devil to come tempt you. He's like, awesome. (laughs) Then after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Bible is filled with understatements. Then the tempter, meaning Satan, also known as Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, great title, very fitting, came to him. So this is a moment that has been thousands of years in the making. You you are now at the juxtaposition of the fulfillment of time. And this is the moment where these two on earth, get to meet eye to eye. Now, it's important to remember that in this point of time, Satan has demonic authority over earth and Jesus is the invading force. And so Satan is coming into this thinking, finally, I can see him. Finally, I know where he is. And now he's out in the wilderness. He's got nobody around him. He's been in a place of discomfort, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Surely this guy is vulnerable. Now I'm going to take him out. What I find really fascinating is it appears to me in Scripture that what has taken place, it appears to me that God has hidden Jesus from the demonic realm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hide you as a baby. I'm going to hide you as a teen. I've even hidden you as an adult. But now that you have become, you've been baptized 
And now that you've gone into prayer and fasting, I don't need to conceal my secret weapon anymore because now you're a force to be reckoned with. And I'm going to put you on the platform where every supernatural realm and authority can see you so that you can begin to manifest the weight and authority of who you are. Something happened when he got baptized and when he fasted that altered the authority that he had. And so this is, this is a scenario. Satan comes to Jesus thinking Jesus is tired, Jesus is weak, Jesus is hungry, Jesus is alone. And Jesus is waiting. I've been waiting for this for thousands of years. This is the fulfillment of time. I've, I've been baptized. I have been fasting. This is not some ambush like you think it is, devil. I've been led by the presence of God into this very moment. Holy Spirit has led me to this point. And this is what happens. Satan arrives on the scene thinking, I'm going to get you. And this is what happens. This is what happens. If they had roller chairs back in the day and they had Bond films, this is how it would have played out. Jesus is sitting there and the devil comes up and goes, I'm going to, I'm going to tempt this guy. I'm going to tempt him with the word. I know that Jesus is the word, but somehow in my arrogance, this plan makes sense. And Jesus is just sitting there, powered up after 40 days of prayer and meditation on the goodness of God, reflecting on his own identity. And he just goes like this. I've been expecting you. That's the reality of how the story plays out. And so Satan takes him and goes, do you know what it says in the Word? And Jesus is like, yeah, I wrote it. So nice to have a fan. I please you read it. You should try applying some context um, around your interpretations. Do you know what it says in the Word, Jesus? Well, I do look at myself frequently and I think, man, I am the Word. I am quite aware of myself, but please, Enlighten me, Lord of the flies. And Satan says, you know what, Jesus? If you worship me, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world. Now, he's a tempter. So this is what you need to understand. If they didn't belong to Satan at that time, it wouldn't have been tempting for him to have been able to offer it. So all the kingdoms of the world, they did belong to him at that point in time. Jesus, if you would worship me, here's what he's the Bible says, I say, who I am says, my identity declares, I'll worship none other than God alone. You want me to, to worship you so that I can have the world? Please, man. Uh, 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 my mindset is set in the entire universe. I want the heavens and the earth. I'm dreaming so much bigger than you. Are you really serious? Are you going to try and tempt me with this? And this is, this is the framework because this is, what I, this is what I hear people say. And I have said it multiple times myself. If you've said it five times, I've probably said it a hundred times. Oh, man. All hell is breaking loose right now. I've just stepped into a new thing and hell is just breaking loose. People say it when they get baptized all the time. Or they go into fasting. I, I, I got baptized. Now all hell is just breaking loose. And we read this story and we think, oh, poor Jesus is in this moment. He's weak. He's tired. He's vulnerable. And all hell is just breaking loose. Hell was not breaking loose. Hell was simply breaking that is the reality of what is happening because Jesus is the invading force. He's the light coming into a kingdom of darkness and the darkness is shattering just because of Jesus' very existence. 
So they're having this conversation. Jesus, do you want to know what it says in the Word? They're having this dialogue, and I believe this is Jesus' stance. Look at this fool. Look at this fool and his empty words. I was there at the very beginning when this fool was made. I was there at the very beginning when arrogance and pride took him down. I've come to strike you down and finish what I started. Look at this fool. I've come to set captives free. Yeah, I'm hungry. You're right, devil. I am hungry. I'm hungry to draw all men to myself. I'm, I'm hungry to reveal the love of the Father. I'm hungry to heal the sick, to cure the lepers and to raise the dead. I'm hungry to cast out demons. I'm hungry to conquer sin and death. I'm hungry to destroy the works of the devil. So I want to make one thing so clear. Whenever you reflect upon this story, that it would become the framework for the way you interpret your own circumstances and it would be the one that sets the platform for your own expectations. This was not an ambush of Jesus being weak in the wild. This is a story of a wild Jesus, led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, having just been baptized and going through a season of fasting. And this is, this is what the Bible says about baptism. Two things. Two, it says a lot of things and they're all glorious. Okay, but this is one I want to camp on. Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now, I don't subscribe to the theology because I think that it's out of context where people say, unless you get water baptized, you're not saved. I think there's multiple examples in Scripture of people Instantly being saved, for the Bible says, call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you're saved. So what about baptism? How, how can I be saved but not enter the kingdom? What does that mean? What is it saying? This is what I believe that it's saying. The Bible says when you get baptized, you get baptized into the death of Christ. And when you get raised out of the water, you get raised into the new life of Christ. You're, isn't that what happened when I, when I got saved? Didn't, didn't I, wasn't the old me gone and the new me came? Wasn't I born again? Yes. So what is this? This is what I believe what takes place. I believe that the kingdom of heaven represents authority. It represents dominion. It represents power. It represents birthright. It represents the significance of who you are. Jesus is born sinless. But it was the moment that he got baptized that his ministry launched. It was the moment when he went through that moment of baptism and, and prayer and fasting that it seems to me that God goes, you know what, I don't need to conceal you anymore. You're good to go. Go start your ministry. Go start what it is I've placed you on this earth for. The kingdom of heaven advances violently and the violent take it by force. Go take it. So what, what baptism does, it symbolizes, but it also makes a supernatural transaction. And, it, and it's an additional witness to us of what took place when we asked Jesus to be our Lord, our Savior. It's an additional witness. It's a confirmation. And what it does is when we get baptized in the death of Christ, this is what we're saying. Hey, old nature, you're dead. Hey, old insecurities, you're dead. Hey, old addictions, you're dead. Hey, old habits, you're dead. Hey, old brokenness, you're dead. And then we come out of the water, and what is actually taking place is we are rising up through obedience, through going through the act of baptism, and there's a prophetic moment that takes place where we receive the fullness of our identity, 
It was when Jesus came out of the water, the Father said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I well please, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Jesus says, unless you're born of the water and of my spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom realm. What I believe he's saying is you won't have authority. I believe that you can be a Christian, die and go to heaven, but I believe you'll spend a lot of your life on earth unless you get baptized walking a powerless gospel. I believe it's that act of being baptized that unlocks the supernatural realm and places you on it where you can walk and live out what Jesus has placed inside of you to do. So baptism says, old self, you're dead. New self is alive. And simply put, why I believe baptism and fasting are linked, not just because Jesus did it, but this is what I believe it is. I'm sure that it's far more than this. But I believe the basic essence or the foundation of it is this. Baptism says old self is dead, new self is alive. Fasting says old self, you're still dead. New self, you're still alive. Old self, I'm reminding myself that old self does not have power. That old self does not have authority. My new self still has authority. I'm reminding myself over and over. Jesus spent 40 days perfectly sinless, I believe, reminding himself. The Father said, I'm his son. He loves me and I'm pleased. Over and over for 40 days meditating. This is who I am. This is why I'm here. And then the devil comes to tempt him. And I believe Jesus is like, who are you trying to tempt? So we get baptized, we go, oh, hell is breaking loose. No, hell is simply breaking. And when the devil comes to tempt you, who are you trying to tempt, devil? That guy's dead. That, that, that guy doesn't exist. That guy used to give him, but I'm not that person anymore. This isn't a story of spiritual intimidation. It's, it's about a legacy of preparation. The devil thought it was his opportune time to take Jesus down. And while I say that he thinks that, because when it didn't work, he says he went away to wait for another opportune time. He went to wait for an opportune time is what it said. And then he sees Jesus on the cross and goes, ha, I just had to wait him out. I knew my opportune time would come around. I knew I'd get that guy. Look at Jesus. Doesn't even have any clothes on. Everybody look at him. The savior of the world can't even save himself. I've got, I've got all authority. Oh yeah, he should have taken my bargain. He should have just worshipped me. Look at Jesus now. A few moments rolls past and all of a sudden hell's gates start breaking. Satan's going, has anyone seen my keys? Anyone seen my keys? I had my keys. Prince of Persia, do you have my keys? And Jesus, I've got your keys. He's like, oh, did not see that coming. I quoted the word, but I couldn't read the word. If I'd read the word, I would have known this was the plan the whole along. But his revelation was hidden from him, just like Jesus was. So this, this is the realm and the kingdom authority that you get baptized in. And that this is who you uplift when you fast. Jesus was tempted by the devil in a time where the devil actually had legal right over the world. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, the devil has no authority. God has all authority. God says, I've got all authority in heaven and on earth. Disciples are like, well, we knew you had authority in heaven. Now you've come back to life and you're about to go to heaven. You're telling us you've got authority on earth as well? This is brand new information. Brand new. Jesus got baptized 
and resisted the devil in a time where the devil had legal right in that realm. We get baptized into the death of Christ and we get raised up into the resurrection of Christ. We become a brand new creation. We enter our kingdom authority and we, we exist in a time where God has all authority and legal right and the devil has none. So can I encourage you with the language that you choose to use, if and when you begin to experience a little bit of spiritual turbulence, that it is not hell breaking loose in your life, it is simply the cause and effect of what crushing the devil under your feet looks like. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on snakes and scorpions. I have not. But I imagine it's a little bit rocky. I imagine at times it's a little bit messy. But I don't believe there's any point when the scorpion is getting crushed. He goes, yeah, I kicked your butt. <laughs> I look so good under the heel of that saint. This is where I want to be. It's the best. Bible says, you know, you're in the world. You're not of the world. It says you're like aliens in a foreign land. And I know it's not referring to extraterrestrial beings. But have you ever seen an alien movie where the aliens invade Earth and they're blowing everything up and then the Earthlings begin to fire back and they go, oh, they're firing back. Oh my gosh, Richard, I'm under so much attack right now from the earthlings. Oh my gosh, are you under attack? I'm under so much attack right now from the earthlings. They're even going after my family and my finances. They don't say that because they're the invading force. They expect some level of resistance. We're not Christians under siege when we're experience spiritual battle. We're the invading force. And we already have, through Jesus Christ, the devil on the run, and we already have authority. We already have power over every principality. We already have the armor of God. We already have all these things. And so if you go through a season of battle, firstly, just know that's normal. That's normal. It's called winning. That's what winning looks like. You're not experiencing how breaking loose you're experiencing how breaking it is the lens in which you look at it that will set your expectations and those expectations will flow out of your mouth and create your own reality so Jesus stepped into his calling he got baptized he received the Holy Spirit. The Father affirmed him. And he set about destroying the works of the devil. Can I encourage you, if you have not been baptized, I said, don't wait for a moment of convenience when conviction presents itself. People would get saved in the Bible and 30 seconds later, they're getting baptized. There's this incredible understanding that yeah, this salvation is phenomenal, but this is the foundation that I'm meant to start on. I need, I need to grow. I need to surrender that the Father would be revealed. I need my old self to go into the water. And an act of obedience and prophetic faith and declaration, I need to rise into the newness of Christ that I would have full access to the kingdom realm because nobody can enter the kingdom unless they are baptized in water and of the Spirit. So I encourage you, we have a baptism service coming up. 
Go sign up after the service. Two things you can do. You're writing your name down, put an exclamation mark. That means, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to get my kingdom authority. Or you go, I would like a little bit more information and potentially a nice, refreshing cup of coffee. Put a question mark and we'll get together. That's all good. Can I encourage you? If you've been baptized, let this be a refreshing for you of what took place. That any time the devil comes knocking on your door with the authority of Jesus Christ, you're going, huh, I've been expecting you. Have you met my friend Jesus? He's pretty cool. Can I encourage you, if, if you're fasting right now and you're finding it a challenge, what you're doing, every time you go without comfort, you're telling your old self, old self, you're dead. I don't need comfort, I have the comforter. Jesus said, my food is to do the work of the Father that sent me. I don't, I don't need the pleasures this world has to offer. I don't need its distractions. I'm in this world. I'm not of that world. That part of me is dead. That's not what I'm about. I'm about the cause of Christ, that I would see nations disciple, that I would heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, that I would begin to carry on the work that Christ started, that I would co-labor. Do you not know, old self? You're dead, new self. Do you not know who you are? You're a minister of reconciliation. Your mandate is to take orphans and reunite them with their living Father. You're ambassador of heaven. Heaven's authority goes where you go. Hey, old self, stop complaining. You're dead. Hey, new self, stop looking weak. You're strong. And can I encourage you, if you haven't started fasting, the devil is a liar and he'll tell you, there's no point you're going to miss out. You've already missed the first week. Can't tell you, I have yet to fully understand the generosity of my God. But all I know is that His generosity is more than I can understand. And He is a rich rewarder. He is a rich rewarder. He, he took a couple loaves and a few old fish and multiplied it to the thousands. Imagine what He could do with your sacrifice. Imagine how He could transform your spirit and renew your mind if you would give Him the opportunity. Imagine the authority that you could begin to walk in as you continually remind yourself of who you are. Loved, chosen, set apart, called, redeemed, set aside, filled, equipped, and called. Heaven wants to reveal who you are. It wants to reveal light to the darkness. Not that the darkness would have your attention, just by default, it would be extinguished. Recall to lift up the name of Jesus Christ to give Him all glory and honour in heaven and on earth. And by default, when we do this, the works of the devil are destroyed. Jesus only ever did what He saw the Father doing. He did not look to see what the devil was doing so He could stop it. The devil was hardly a side note. He's only mentioned a couple times in the Bible in Jesus' ministry. But every day he gets up going, I'm going to do the work of the Father. Father, where are you? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing, Dad? What are we doing? He was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. His identity was firmed and he had changed the world. In a time where the devil had legal right and dominion. Imagine what you could do now that Jesus has done 99.9% of the work for you already. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.